This podcast is sponsored by the American Society for Information Science and Technology. Since 1937, ACIST has been the Society for Information Professionals, leading the search for new and better theories, techniques, and technologies to improve access to information. By the IA Summit. This year, your peers and industry experts spoke about how topics such as social networking, gaming, patterns, tagging, taxonomies, and a wide range of IA tools and techniques help users experience information. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For more events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. Yahoo's Christian Krumlish and Comcast's Austin Govella share case studies that illustrate ways pattern libraries can both aid and stifle innovation, how they help solve real-world web design problems, and how they support rapid production of common IA deliverables. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. We asked some questions in our, in, when we proposed this discussion, um, proposed this presentation. Uh, one was, can you streamline web design and development with design patterns? Um, and, you know, I say, yes, you can. Uh, but the, the question is, okay, great. Well, then, you know, then how do you do that? And um, I think the, uh, well, I, let me just say that's what, that's what I'm going to try to explain. So um, I want to give people a little bit of background, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. I feel like we're, we're constantly updating this discussion of pattern, design patterns, pattern languages, and things like that, especially here at the summit. And so uh, there's a certain point where we won't necessarily have a, a Christopher Alexander slide in every presentation on patterns, but I, I don't think we've quite reached that point yet. Um, so Christopher Alexander and the other uh, architects um, listed on the title of that book there, A Pattern Language, um, explored this idea that you could actually detect uh, recurring patterns that represented working, working solutions to common problems um, and then use them to build, build new designs or in this case, you know, architect new places. So this is, this is one pattern I grabbed out of a pattern language which is entirely online in e-text form. So you can get it that way too, called family of entrances. And there's his sensitizing example for that one. He describes a conflict and he describes a resolution. Um, into the, um, well, in the late 70s, um, or maybe it was the early 80s, uh, Alexander challenged the, the software community to, to learn from um, the uh, developments of pattern languages. And uh, some people took up that, that challenge, um, particularly uh, Ward Cunningham, who created the first wiki uh, which was called the, pattern, uh, the Portland Pattern Repository, or C2. Um, uh, it was mainly a community for, well, it is, it exists, mainly a community for people discussing uh, extreme programming techniques, but it evolved this idea of capturing patterns and also particularly anti-patterns, things that, that um, people do that don't work. Um, that sort of transitioned over to uh, human-computer interface, user interface design, um, IA, interaction design, the, the world of, of developing the, the front end, the, um, the experience. Um, and uh, Jennifer Tidwell's book, Designing Interfaces, grew out of her Common Ground website. And um, uh, there's, here's an example from her uh, on online version of her book. Uh, we launched, Yahoo launched our pattern library in 2005. Um, and Aaron Malone and Matt Leacock and Chanel Wheeler here at the IA Summit gave a, a presentation on how that was done. Uh, that turned into a Boxes and Arrows article, and that's a, another good starting point um, that I almost feel like I don't need to recommend because everybody I meet out in the real world who's trying to make a pattern library uh, usually says that they started by reading that article, which I think is pretty cool. Um, now, one thing is that a lot, you know, a lot of time has passed, especially internet time since 2005, 
And that article was written essentially around the launch of the library. And over time, we've discovered that some things turned out not to work so well, and other things um, work fine. And, and we've refined the process somewhat. So one thing is that we're probably, Aaron and I were talking about the fact that we probably need to do another Boxes and Arrows article that just gives an update. That, you know, three years later, four years later, whatever time it turns out to be, you know, now what we've learned. And it just so if people are going to use that article as a reference, they should also find you know, the things that, that improve on the original suggestions. Uh, we took the library open. I say we, but this was before I was involved with the library. Uh, Bill Scott was the second curator. He added a lot of rich patterns, Ajax-oriented patterns to the library. And he also um, oversaw the, 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 pub the publication of the open version of the library. Um, so what's my role? Again, I'm going to try to go through this pretty quickly, but technically I'm the curator of the design pattern library, which makes me picture like a museum or something like that, something dusty, you know, where there's like a bald guy and he's got glasses on, things like that. And, um, no, and, and actually, the truth is that um, the other thing people call me is a librarian, you know, and, so, and actually there's an email alias inside Yahoo called UED Librarian, that's User Experience Design Librarian. I'm not the only person who gets that email. Um, I think Aaron gets it too, and maybe uh, Matt, one of the past librarians, gets it. But people do use it as a general kind of Dropbox to ask questions about design standards and, and patterns. Um, so yeah, I'm a librarian, but when, I, you know, when you say librarian, that also conjures up stereotypes and images, and, and, and you know, when I searched online, um, actually, if, if you don't have safe search on, you probably don't want to search for a librarian because you find a lot of um, unseemly stuff that way. But you know, it's sexist to say that li women are librarians, and I, th I think that you know, I used to joke around that, that like if I'm a librarian, I should be able to take my glasses off and shake my hair out and have somebody say, "My God, you're beautiful," um, and that that also has never happened. But that's that's um th that's another stereotype. And I thought, well, a man could be a sexy librarian too. You know, it's not it's not really fair to the, you know it's, it's gendered otherwise. Um, so, but why, I actually like to say that I'm the pattern detective, you know, because that sounds much more butch, and also um, because a lot of my job involves going out and hunting down patterns, finding out where they live and what their habits are and tracking them and having late night stakeouts, and well, that, that part's not true, but I, um, you know, basically I have to figure things out because people don't come rushing to the pattern library to add new patterns, um, you know, they don't wake up in the morning wanting to do that for some reason. Um, okay, let's, we got this already, sorry, cover that stuff. Okay, so what are patterns for? And here's some, some basic stuff. Patterns are to help you avoid reinventing the wheel. Now, I, I hope Chris Fahey's not in the room because he, he wrote a, a beautiful post on the, I think it was the interaction design list uh, a while back, saying that you should reinvent the wheel, you know, people don't reinvent the wheel enough. There you are, you bastard. And, and, um, and wheels, uh, you know, wheels, uh, wheels are lame, everybody should make better wheels, something along those lines. I, I think I, I got the essence of his argument and cap captured it perfectly. Um, and the truth is, you know, that, that and, I, and so I wrote some kind of thing like, no, my job is important kind of reply or something like that to him. And the thing is, um, you know, I think the point is not that you can't design a better wheel. You, you absolutely can, you know. Um, but you're probably going to make a round one. It's probably going to be a circle, or it's going to be a whole bunch of circles, or something like that. You know, if you want to go back to first principles and try an octagon and try a dodecahedron and you know try everything else, you may be just ignoring the fact that we've optimized on circles already for wheels, and that's a pretty good building block. And then you know, invent, be innovative in the areas that that are not figured out yet. Um, we also, you know, we've got a lot of properties that have a lot of different goals. Some were acquired, uh, some were experimental, and so that we have a lot of different um, user experiences across our site. Well, we'd rather, within reason, for the most part, to have people feel like I'm at Yahoo and, you know, 
I know I'm at Yahoo, and I can, I, I, if I click on this thing, it'll probably drop down because that's what those things do at other parts of Yahoo. Um, and then, like I said, we, I, I, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to keep harping on the innovation thing. So, do, do design patterns stifle innovation? That was one of the questions we put in our in our proposal. The answer is no. Uh, now, shut up and do your wireframe. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding, right? I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, that that's the big fear, though, that people um, designers usually aren't standards people on some level. You know, to some extent, designers want to be free. They want to, you know have a free range area outside their pen or whatever and, and you know, explore fresh air and stuff like that. No, but they, they like to, they're artists. We like to draw, we like to experiment, we like to innovate. That, that's part of what, why somebody becomes a designer and not you know, an accountant or, or something like that. Um, and so there's this fear that, well, you're gonna give us building blocks or you're gonna give us these tools and then we're gonna have to design just according to the, somebody else is gonna decide what my design is because it'll all be received. And I think that's a legitimate fear, and you could certainly use patterns that way, and it wouldn't necessarily be a good thing. Um, it might be a good thing if the people doing the work aren't designers, though, and need somebody to design a prototype for them that they can use to, to, to make variations. Um, but the truth is that, from my point of view, is that point I, I, I think I made ahead of time, um, because I haven't rehearsed enough, which was that uh, if, you, if you nail down the things that are well-established or that are common or that are standards in your organization, then you can help people avoid spending too much of their time rediscovering that stuff accidentally and focus their design time and their innovation time on things that haven't yet been figured out. Um, okay, yeah, this was the point about it. This is an article in, in uh, Fast Company's blog, uh, one of their many blogs, about how Yahoo is one company with 100 designs. And an interesting thing to me is that in the, in, in the depths of this article, they describe Yahoo as one website. Almost like they almost, I think they call it a web page or something like that. Uh, which was interesting to me that, that, that there still at least is an expectation that there really is this giant monolith called Yahoo. And inside Yahoo, it's very easy for us to say, I work on finance, I work on sports, I work on OMG or whatever. And the truth is that those, those property identities that, that, that people spend a lot of time focusing on inside Yahoo are not really necessarily the way our, our customers um, experience Yahoo. They, the, our customers are inclined to see Yahoo as all one thing, at least when we have the Yahoo brand on stuff. Um, so just to make sure that we all know what we're talking about, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this quickly, but the essence of a pattern, and particularly the way we interpret patterns, is that um, it's a problem, it's a solution. You have to describe the context that the problem and the solution apply to, or it's completely useless. Problems aren't meaningful outside of, uh, outside of their context. And then it has examples. Um, and that's, that's not an optional part of the pattern. Um, th there has to be an example. Really, there has to be a visual example. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, they're high level. They're, they're based on principles, values. They're, they're, they're based on priorities. You know, they're not based on what is the cool color for download buttons this week, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then we believe, at least in, in, in this world of, of, of uh, information architecture and user interface design and interaction design, that patterns need to be attached to specs and documentation, examples, references, things that people can actually grab and use um, instead of just guidelines. So uh, we, you know, I, I alluded to the fact before that people aren't beating down my door every day with new patterns that they would love to spend time writing up for the pattern library at Yahoo. Most, most Yahoo designers are trying to solve a problem. They're trying to meet a deadline, ship a product, you know, help fix a bug, make an interface work better, sit, uh, watch user tests. There's all kinds of things to do that are directed towards their jobs. And the idea of like writing patterns on some level is, it, it's like documentation. Docu it's like documentation for us to some extent, but it's like documentation for engineers. It's that extra thing you should do 
um, that when you cut corners, that's the thing you probably aren't going to do. And also, not everybody is, is going to be experienced at, at recognizing you know, the patterns in their work. So what we try to do is we, we tell our, our designers, when you're about to start working on something, a new project, or you just switch to a new team or whatever, and you're learning the lay of the land, well, look in the pattern library. We might have something useful there. If we don't, great, you know, but, but at least give it a check. Um, we ask people to give feedback. If, you, if, they, if they read a pattern and they think they have an exception case that isn't mentioned, if they question whether it's really finished or right or correct, if they have an idea about how to make it a better pattern, well, they can, they can leave a comment on it. They're actually allowed to edit it directly. Uh, they could email me. There's, there's all kinds of ways that, to give feedback. Um, they can, someone can suggest a pattern. So just because you think there ought to be a pattern doesn't mean you, you're necessarily going to write it. But as the pattern librarian, um, I mean detective, I have to uh, notice that people want this pattern or that pattern. And as the suggestions come in, I have to prioritize them. And that doesn't mean sometimes saying, yeah, I agree with you, that would be neat if there were a pattern like that, but I've got these other 10 that are in the queue ahead of yours and, and it's not going to happen. Um, and then of course we'd love it if people actually help us write the patterns, write a pattern, write the first draft, do an edit, review the pattern, you know, and actually do something substantive and hands-on. But I need sort of this involvement uh, kind of curve where a person can be minimally involved or passively involved. They can just drop by. They can respond. They don't necessarily have to become fully engaged to help me. Um, those are some of the ways we can, you know, they can give feedback. Um, I, I try to warn people that they won't get, uh, or try to reassure people um, that they won't get trapped. Uh, when I when I first moved out to uh, uh, California right after college, I lived with a bunch of guys in a sort of a, well, guys and gals, in a sort of a communal share the dinner kind of arrangement where um, we had this elaborate expense reporting system, which was basically just a, you know, a, a sheet of paper on the fridge where you wrote who, who bought the dinner and who participated in the dinner, and then eventually you balanced those numbers out so that everybody, everybody paid a share. And we had a concept back then that we called the burrito trap, which was basically that the next day after some big dinner, when you're starving, you'd come into the kitchen, you'd grab some leftovers, you'd wrap them up in a tortilla and eat it, and you would get included in that big dinner from the night before and have to pay a full share of it. And I, what I try to tell people is that I'm not going to trap you. Like if you say, I, I want there to be a pattern on blah, blah, or I wish, th I wish there was a pattern for a carousel, I wish there was a pattern for a slider, that kind of thing. And then, you know, the, the danger is always that I'll say, that's great, will you write one for me? And the truth is that people are afraid of that. And I don't want them to not suggest it just because that's going to somehow force them to do extra work. Um, you know, if they are enthusiastic about it and want to talk about it, they may be a good candidate to write the pattern. So I'm not ruling that out. It's just that I don't want to trap people. Um, okay, thanks. I just don't want to go. Okay, I'm going to go over some of this detail because it's just boring. Um, Okay, I do, have, I do have something where I'll actually interview a designer. Another issue is that not all designers like to write or are good writers or you know, feel like that's a good use of their time, et cetera. And uh, asking somebody to write a pattern and giving them a web page with a bunch of forms to, you know, form fields to fill in is not necessarily an enjoyable experience or a social experience or a personable experience or whatever. But what I can do is we can go to our cafeteria, get some coffee, sit down, and I can basically sort of interview them and ask them about the different elements of the pattern, ask them about the project they were working on, help them see what parts of it are sort of prototype, you know, can be turned into a template, turned into a pattern, um, and then I'll write it up and bring it back to them and say, Did this, is this kind of what you said? Is that right? Am I, am I exaggerating it, et cetera? And that process, it's, it's not necessarily my, my favorite way to do things because that puts more of the burden on me. I have to write the first draft. I, I, have, to, I have to schedule it and everything like that. But if, if that will help me get the pattern out of the person's head and they were pretty much never going to sit down and write it on their own, then I think that's an acceptable way to do it. Um, 
Okay, let's skip. Uh, I mentioned before that examples are, are hugely important, and there's a habit, there's a custom evolving now, um, particularly on Flickr, to, uh, to take images of, say let's, say, let's say you're designing a login screen, and you want to think through, you know, you want to do an audit and look at who else does login screens and how do they do it. You can run around the web going to everybody's login screen and making a screen capture and then put them all up on Flickr and say, these, look, these are, all, these are the screen capture patterns. Um, now, I, I have a slight issue with that, which is that to me, those aren't the patterns. So those, those are pictures of implementations of something that may be a pattern, and they're a good step in the process of writing patterns, which is just that due diligence where you look around and see what people are actually doing. Because remember, patterns are not supposed to be um, in newly invented ways to do things. They're supposed to be well-established, proven, tried and true ways to do things. So finding examples in the real world is pretty good evidence that there is a pattern, but th it's really the first step. It's, it's not the final step. Um, so let's see. Um, we have a rating system. The, I, I believe the article in Boxes and Arrows explained uh, the rating system at the time. Uh, it was complicated and it was incredibly democratic and it never ended up with almost anything finally getting rated. Um, because it involved enough people had to vote and their votes had to converge towards a number and not towards two separate numbers and things like that. Um, so when I came in, most of the patterns in the library had no rating on them and people had no idea whether, those, those, whether they were good or not. Um, we, we kept the same rating levels essentially, basically a, a three-part system once it gets out of a draft form, which is that it's either at minimum it's a working solution, um, if it's stronger than that, if it's something that we feel like you really ought to use this, it's not just a suggestion, it's really the way we think things, these things should be done, then it becomes a best practice. And then a very few number of them are essentially mandatory. And we say, this is the Yahoo way to do this. It's, you really have no choice. You know? uh, and there's not, there are not too many things like that. And also, many, when, when they get up to that level, they're also the sort of thing that we might serve up um, universally uh, across all our properties. And you may not even really be designing that part anyway. But it is, it is sort of like the, you know, reaching the sort of Valhalla of a pattern when it's actually completely mandatory. Let's see, it, it's, it, one thing, another thing we've learned through the life cycle of the pattern library is that it's really important to, to keep them fresh and to help the people who are using the library understand, um, is this pattern new, is it old, is it out of date now, is it being reviewed right now and revised, um, you know, and it's also important to basically end of life patterns that, that turn out to not have been eternal and timeless but actually were, you know, to do with fashions that have changed already. Um, you know, we love our patterns to be as well established as architectural patterns are. But the truth is that human computer interfaces and, and, and information architectures and you, you know, all that UI stuff is still fairly new. So, um, and it's changing and evolving and I, you know, it would be a little presumptuous to claim that we'd really found the bedrock principles of it, I, I think. Um, let's see. I'm gonna skip some of this stuff because I'm running out of time and we're gonna take questions later. Um, let's see, no, I'm going backwards now. Let's see. I'm going to keep saying let's see. Okay, so one, the last thing I do want to mention is that uh, we, we ran a pattern workshop a couple days ago here uh, at the Precon, and we were very excited. Um, Lucas Petnati, who I work with, um, works w with me and the rest of our team for Aaron Malone. Uh, who, those were the three of us doing the workshop. Lucas put together a set of stencils that are keyed to our public patterns in the pattern library and to our YUI code. Um, and we, we, we made this as uh, uh, something for our workshop participants, but the truth is we made it for our own designers who haven't got it yet. Um, I don't know, um, Aaron, do we have any more of those? Or have we given them all out already? 
Okay. <laughs> so if somebody wants one, we've got one left, but we're going to publish them. They're going to go online, and, and we're very excited about that. So, you know, Lucas put together a bunch of OmniGraffle, and they're not just an OmniGraffle. They've been converted to most of the other, you know, uh, programs people use to, to make wireframes. But, um, you know, so this is, this is a treat. This is a navigation set of stencils. Um, this is for page grids. This is for mobile. Um, this is for the carousel pattern. Um, and you know, there's a bunch of others in that collection, and we'll keep we'll keep updating it. But we're we're really excited about that because it's one thing to tell a designer, here, read this list of bullet points that will help you understand how to design this thing, and it's something else entirely to give them something they can drag onto their wireframe and start using right away. Um, I think it's also I, I may, it may sound like I'm giving this short shrift, but there's a code component to all of this that's really important in user interface. And one thing that may be hard about that, um, at least from a Yahoo point of view, well, I'm not an engineer. I don't write code. I can hack someone else's PHP and break it or something like that, but I'm not really a coder. Um, so we have to collaborate with engineers who are writing the reference examples who are, uh, or our prototypers who are making prototypes. And we sometimes have to make them generic if we're actually going to share that in the pattern library. But I think that that's sort of like the third leg of the tripod. If you don't have code, then it's that much harder. I mean, it's, it's not just a matter of convincing people. Pe people, if you, don't, if you don't give an engineer a, you know, something to work with in, the, in code form, then describing the pattern to them isn't really very helpful for them. Uh, it might be interesting, intriguing to them, or something like that, but it's not really helping them do their job. Um, and we all have to work together. So uh, I'm looking for an intern. Uh, i just like to say that, because uh, I'm so psyched. And um, I'm going to hand it over to Austin now. Hey guys, um, that's how I am. The, this is the pimping slide. You have to pimp first because questions are after. So uh, I'm at Comtesse Interactive Media. We're hiring. It's a kick-ass place to work. Um, both Livia Labate and Dennis Schleicher are here at the summit. Um, so catch them. Um, we're in Philly. This is what you can do with Pattern. See, this is our new product. He's in beta. If you want an invite, let me know. Um, this is my blog. It's kick-ass. Go read it. Patterns are about organizational memory, right? Um, now, the, the cool thing is you, you can work faster. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel unless you want to. But the reason that's important is because uh, patterns take the information out of your head or someone else's head and put it someplace that other people in your organization can get to it. Um, of course, organizations don't have heads of their own unless you're like Apple and it's Steve Jobs. But most organizations are comprised of just everybody who's working there at that time. So a pattern library or any, any like pattern system that you use in your work means that your organization is able to capture all of the, all of the good work product and ideas that everybody puts into it every day. So um, instead of like someone leaves and all the knowledge goes with them, you have a place to put it. So um, the patterns are really good at, at increasing design literacy in your group. So um, ideally, if we're all doing our jobs really well, communicating, educating, um, after a couple years, your company would be so literate with their design, right? That they wouldn't need you anymore. You could leave, go, go live on the beach somewhere, and UX around the world would just be fantastic. Um, so that's our goal, right? Is to take all the knowledge that we have and just spread it out. So this can be very powerful, right? Like if the programmer doesn't have to come and ask you, um, you know, should the button look like a button, right? I mean, how many people have answered that question or made that advice? Have you done that, right? Button should look like a button. Um, Think of all the time you've wasted over your life saying that. If they don't have to come and ask you that, that means that they can do their job better and faster and you have a better experience overall. 
So Jess McMullen has a great um, a post or two about design literacy. You should you know, go search for that. Um, the whole point is you're gonna take your stuff and put it in people's heads, and people learn three ways, right? People learn by seeing something, you know, seeing it there. People learn by hearing something. People learn by doing. Now, the, the pattern library, especially Yahoo's pattern library, uh, are really good because it puts it where you can see it, and uh, the code part, the developer network, where they have all the code samples and stuff, gives, you, gives developers a way to do stuff, right? Um, but you have to have the here, so you, you have to be able to talk about the patterns with people as well. Um, so and I think that's very important. Like the pattern is a cultural artifact of the rising design literacy in your organization, right? It's not just on a wiki somewhere and all of a sudden all of your products are gonna kick ass. That's not true. It's, it's a teaching thing. You're changing the culture of your organization so that when they have a question, either they, they learn the answer for themselves or they know who they can ask. Um, and the reason that's good for us is because instead of being engaged as vendors that are asked, you know, what, how should, what should a button, button look like, uh, we're able to think about other things, like redesigning the wheel, maybe. I wish I'd seen that. I hadn't seen that. Um, so this is something that Dennis Schleicher actually said. He works at Comcast for hiring. He said, you always have to figure out what people are on the hook for, right? A lot of patterns, like, especially in the early years uh, with Jennifer Tidwell's site, it was really cool. You'd go, you look at it, you do some research because we're doing concepting, right? But it didn't actually make your job easier, per se. Um, and the only way that you're going to change the culture and organization is if you make someone's job easier. And that's something also that the Yahoo pattern library does really well, right? Especially, like, they have that entire JavaScript library. You can just go and drag widgets out. You know, they're all testing Class A browsers. There are developers all over the world who make a living now because JavaScript has, because Yahoo has been so generous, right? If you don't make someone's job easier, they aren't going to care about, they don't care about patterns, right? They care about doing their job. So here's a story about form error handling. I'm gonna give you some background. Um, at Comcast, we think patterns are really cool, and we've been trying to do a pattern library for about a year, year and a half, ever since, probably since from bef before I got there. Um, but it's hard to get off the ground, right? Because you get a bunch of IAs, we're like, we need a pattern for this, and a pattern for this, and it's gonna have this kind of navigation, and we can have templates and code templates. It, it mushrooms in this huge project that you can't ever do. So, um, so we've been working on this for like a year and a half, and plus, you know, the business doesn't really care that much about the, uh, pattern library, like if you have a deadline then all of a sudden people get re resourced and your, your time's gone. So um, this is my guerrilla attempt at working patterns in into an agile environment. Um, that's like two keywords in one. Um, so these are my agile, this is my agile documentation, okay? Uh, really lo-fi, you'll notice no annotation other than in the labels. So, uh, so we're putting out this uh, preferences section which has lots of forms. So on the left, you see it's every type of form fields you can have and, and how you would lay those form fields out and where the labels go and where the headings go. And then on the right, this is what happens when we have an error, right? You have a message at the top, message in line, you highlight the box. I was like, okay, this is agile, these guys are smart, no problem, they're gonna get it. And I communicate, any form we have goes like this, right? This is what it's gonna work like. And I wish I had the mock-up of what came back because what came back from the mock-up was exactly what's on the left. Like, not the forms we were actually building, but like the mock-up of the pattern. Um, and this was because I was, I was totally for the man agenda, right? I had, I, they're moving really fast, I had too much stuff to do, so I was trying to make my job easier, but I wasn't making their job easier, right? And because I wasn't making their job easier, uh, it totally failed. See, epic fail, awesome. Um, 
So the next story is about a documentation system. And these are actually OmniGraphle stencils, similar to the ones that, um, that uh, Christian just showed. These are um, for the site that I'm working on called Fancast. And we had a relatively mature visual design system. The actual page layout stuff hadn't quite matured, and the features and stuff, but we had all the elements were pretty mature. So um, again, I'm trying to like work faster. Um, instead of always copying and pasting, which is common, I just started like throwing everything to a stencil. And the result is epic rock for the win. Um, this is the wireframe. So one weekend, I had you know like 10, 12 hours just on the side on the weekend. Um, and I wireframed, I did high fidelity wireframes, uh, 50, 60 pages of them in about 10 or 12 hours. We don't want to mess with a kid or you know, in between lunch and dinner. Um, and I've never in my life done that many high fidelity wireframes in that amount of time. It was, and, they're, and, they're, and they're perfect. This is the, this is the actual site. Check this out. Um, that's that kind of, that's really, really efficient, right? So this was actually, um, that was phase one of our fancast documentation system. And now we have, um, we actually moved into InDesign. Um, it was a system put together for us by eight shapes with uh, Nathan Curtis and Dan Brown and a bunch of other great people. Um, but it's essentially the same thing. You take, you take your mature systems and the stuff you always copy and paste anyway, and you formalize it. And then at that point, your documentation is drag and drop. So with our IA team, right, we have the patterns in our head, which is not ideal, but it's okay. We have our, our documentation patterns externalized, right? So now the organization owns them instead of us. Um, and it, it has really helped streamline a lot of the stuff we do. We're able to work more effectively. So um, for example, this, the, entire, the entire body of that document, um, all three columns, I have as a snippet. And I just drag it over, and I type over my, um, the placeholder text. And the one, one of the really powerful things about patterns, whether it's a documentation pattern or a code pattern or the design pattern, right? Is that, is that you're actually embedding important parts of your culture in the way you've structured the document. So here, I mean, unless you delete the section business need and user need, right, you actually have to fill those in and think about it. Um, it you know, requires that you have, you explain how people access things. Um, I don't know if you can read the table, but it has just like basic information um, about the page. But so you really are able to, not only does it make things consistent, which is good, but now the, all the stuff that's in your head, right, all your expertise is in a way, is formulated in a way to ask those questions even when you're long gone. So here's email best practices. I'm doing okay. Um, so we've been working really hard on this pattern library for a long time. Um, the one huge win for us is that instead of doing the pattern library, um, Livia scoped it down and said, you know, we just need to do better documentation. So that's when she brought in eight shapes and did the documentation system, and they went through uh, Comcast.net, which had a very mature design system, uh, stripped out all of the visual elements and patterns from .NET and put them in, in the design so we can just drag and drop. And beyond that, just doing the elements, they did the entire pages. So a lot of the times when we're just changing a small thing in a page, you'll just go get the existing page um, and either make the change there or suck it into something else and then just change a small area. So the, the workflow, you're not, you're not doing anything twice, essentially, right? It's done once, everybody on the team saves it. Um, we did the same thing with Fancast, but however, with Fancast, we didn't have a mature system. Like it was still, the product was still in flux, like the grid's been changing, we've been changing how we lay out some of the pages. So even though we did do versions of all those pages, that wasn't as, wasn't as effective, because now we're just redoing entire pages as the product just starts to mature. Um, so that's, that's one thing to think about, but you don't always have to have high fidelity patterns. Like it's, it's awesome that those early fancast wireframes were like 
almost pixel perfect. I mean, that was just really cool in terms of like getting sign off and communication. Um, but you can also do lo-fi patterns. Like we all have a way that we do just really lo-fi wireframes. Um, I mean, I have a stencil in InDesign where I just have like these just gray boxes of different colors, and I already have the type you know set. I just drag it over on my page and size the box, and it makes makes the workflow a lot faster, which is the whole point. You're supposed to be making your job easier. So with email best practices, I was like, okay, we're gonna try the pattern thing again with this the team. And we were sending out these terrible trouble marking messages, like it spams everybody, nobody can read them. Um, and it's being coming from a vendor, and we so we asked, you know, the experience in these email messages is just terrible. Um, are they using any type of you know best practices when they put these out? Um, and we told, yeah, and they really weren't. Um, so I didn't have any time, right? Like we're all sourced on the, on our individual projects. We wrote, you know, writing as something on email best practices wasn't, you know, in the backlog. It wasn't at the top of like our the, you know, the practice development we were doing at the time. So, but I did over a course of like ten days, ten working days, um, you know, an hour here, an hour there. I did a couple Google searches, like literally just a handful of Google searches. Um, off the first, maybe second results page, went to those pages, um, and on the left is where I just like would copy text and paste it, and I kept all my sources in a separate, in a separate uh, page of the worksheet. Um, so really, really easy, right? There's almost like no effort. You could fit this in anywhere, okay? Um, and the result is, um, and no one else has seen this ever. Y'all are the first people to see this new revision. Um, we have now actually, uh, we're working on um, an actual email, email best practices, right? Which is essentially a pattern, right? So if you're gonna integrate email marketing into your site, this is where you're gonna do it. I think there's something important here that um, I've been talking to a few people here that a pattern isn't just the item in isolation, it's the ecosystem the item lives in. Um, and that's why here we have, here we have the entire service design of how the email marketing works, right? You start on the website, uh, there's an email server that kicks out a message and then it, you end up in the user's uh, mail, mail reader, right? So you have to have the entire ecosystem. Um, this was just me sorting out the information I collected. Um, then I have two easy patterns. So the, the win here is that we're even, even able to take the rough draft of email best practices and give that to developers and they were able to immediately implement that. Um, and then once we have the final draft done and everything's been vetted, it can then, we can just start sending it out into the organization, send it over to the business teams, over to the marketing teams, um, all the way up the chain. And so everybody has it in their heads, it's no longer in our heads. And um, hopefully next time that they get a marketing vendor, they'll pass it on and um, everything will be good. So the point of patterns, right, is that it's like Voltron, right? Right now, a lot of us are all running around our own little like ship um, but if you can get like the nexus, right, of your code and your documentation and your design stuff going, you become like Voltron and you're unstoppable. But even if you just have one, right, you formalize anything you have, it automatically improves, improves your workflow. Um, and just before you have any questions, I want you to realize that we're violent and Comcast is actually giving away Halo stuff at, um, in the room after lunch, the break after lunch. So if you wanna sign up, they're giving away two helmets a game two games and um, just sign up, it's free. All right. Questions? <laughs>